Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of From My Point of View. Jam-packed episode today. We got a lot of variety. Football. Fantasy football. I drafted my team on Monday night, so I'll just read it off real quick. You know, just why not? I'd like to share it with people. I think I drafted a pretty good team this year. Much better than it was last year, my lord. Controversy with Fox Football broadcaster Tom Brenneman. Uh, we'll, gla- we'll we'll not glaze over it, but we'll go through that pretty quickly because it's it happened later last week, so it's been almost a week since that happened. I'm sure everyone's very much caught up on that. Uh, football news, NBA, and DC fandom, which I want I wanted to go over because that's a lot. Of, has to do a lot with the new DC movies coming out, and there's a lot of trailers and um, just general. Uh, superhero stuff that I kind of wanted to talk about. We'll save that for the end of the show. First off, Lucas Giolito, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Giolito. Throws a no-hitter, the first no-hitter of 2020. Throws it for the White Sox against the Pirates. A team high or a a franchise record 13 strikeouts for a no-hitter. I don't know if that includes no-hitters and perfect games, uh, but regardless, for no-hitters, he has the most strikeouts uh, in franchise history for a no-hitter. 13 Ks for Giolito, mowing down the Pirates. A lot of key plays that happened there. First of all, the last out coming off the bat, that thing was a line drive to right field. It, w- it was slicing away, and uh, somehow, I don't even know who the White Sox right fielder is. He, re- he got the out, caught it, sealed the game. Um, and then also, I think it was in the seventh inning, the White Sox had a shift, ground ball up the middle, Tim Anderson Tim Anderson runs to his right, gets it, has to get rid of it quickly, and then Jose Abreu makes a terrific scoop. So every no-hitter perfect game has that one play that you look at and be like, that, that is it right there. That saved the no-hitter, and from that point on, you knew that it was going to kind of be smooth sailing. There's always that one play where you're like, how did they make that out? Okay, it's kind of like destiny. And that was the play for the White Sox. Um, So the first no-hitter of 2020, 60-game season. Um, Not sure how many of those we're going to see, if we're even going to see another one. But Lucas Giolito, and he has really... The White Sox have come into their own. They got a lot of really... Good players there, really good young players in uh, in the south side of Chicago right now. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next, even, you know what, they might make the playoffs now. Let's see where they stand in the, uh, in the standings in the AL Central. They're tied with Cleveland for second in the, uh, in the Central, which the top two spots in each division get a playoff spot. Um, but they might even... They might even qualify for that wild card spot as that as that third team. There's always there's a chance this year that three teams from one division can make the playoffs. Cause you get the top two teams automatically qualify, and then the third teams can be qualified for the wild card. But right now, Minnesota's at twenty and eleven. Cleveland and Chicago are only a game and a half behind. They're both sitting at eighteen and twelve. So Chicago has a good chance to make the playoffs this year. Um, and they've been, like I said, a lot of really good young players in Chicago. And I think even with the shortened season, beyond this, in the next year or two, 
I think they have a real shot to be contenders in that AL Central and and compete for that AL Central title again. And they've been so bad for so long. Just one of those teams that has had setback after setback and has been molding young players for what seems like forever now. And, you know, growing up, the Chicago White Sox, for me, they were always good. They were always a good competitive team. Um, Burley throwing perfect games. Uh, Paul Konerko leading the the White Sox. AJ Przinsky, I remember their uh, their catcher. They always had um, Aaron Rowland, I think, was on that team too before he went to Philly. But there was uh, a lot of memorable Jermaine Die. A lot of memorable guys coming through the White Sox organization. I remember them winning the uh, the title also. And I think that was 06, 05, 06. Uh, so they were always really competitive when I was growing up in the uh, in the 2000s. And then the 2010s came and, and they just, they lost a lot of their key franchise players to retirement. And there's nothing you can do about that. And it just feels like they've been taking forever to build since then. But they got a, a stud, bona fide ace right now in Lucas Giolito. He's very, very good. Uh, and a lot of Tim Anderson is one of the most electrifying guys in baseball, someone who needs to be propped up by the MLB, not torn down for his celebrations and his bat flips. I know he got in trouble, I think it was last year, all this started, and he got uh, thrown at and yelled at for his, uh, his home run antics. But now it seems that even though the MLB isn't fully on board with it, the players... And the fans are fully invested in be you. Like, don't act, you know, don't follow the old baseball rules of you got to keep it professional and act like you've been there before. No, you hit a home run, sub, as long as you're not down by like five plus runs after you hit a home run. But if you, if it's like a big home run to like take the lead, tie the game, whatever you want, like celebrate, you deserve it, right? And Tim Anderson is definitely on the forefront of, uh, of that push in the MLB to get players to celebrate and to show more emotion than has previously been uh, been shown. Okay, so we're going to run through a couple football things real quick. Just a bit of news right now uh, before I started recording. David Montgomery was carted off the field for the Chicago Bears. So, obviously, a huge blow for them. He is projected to be, I mean, he is their starting running back. Um, Tariq Cohen is their backup, of course. But David Montgomery is the starting back for them. He slipped. That's the report. He slipped on a handoff um, from per Adam Scheffner. Uh, Bears starting running back David Montgomery was carted away from today's practice after injuring his left leg. Montgomery slipped before he took a handoff from Trubisky, went to the ground, and got up holding his leg in serious pain, per Jeff Dickerson from ESPN. So, per Jeff Dickerson, per Adam Scheffner, per me, David Montgomery was carted off the field from the Bears practice facility, and that prompted Adam Scheffner to also tweet out unsigned free agent running backs. Devontae Freeman, Marshawn Lynch, Robert Turbin, Jeremy Hill, Spencer Ware, Javarius Allen, Kenneth Dixon, Bilal Powell, CJ Proceis, Trey Carson, and John Hilleman. 
Bears should make a run at Devontae Freeman. Um, I think he got, I don't know, Freeman had his struggles with Atlanta last year, but he's still pretty young, so why not give him a shot? If it's that serious, it might not be that serious. So we'll see what happens with David Montgomery. Two other serious bits of NFL uh, news is that Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas was released by the Baltimore Ravens for conduct detrimental to the team. He apparently punched safety Chuck Clark during practice. um, And that is the reason why they are getting rid of him. They, the rumors were they were either going to try and trade him or release him by the end of the day, and that was a couple days ago, and couldn't find any suitors to trade him, so they are, they released him. He is now a free agent, um, but the reports are from Scheffner and others that he is going, the Ravens are going to go after some of his money and trying to recoup some of that money because they released him on terms of conduct detrimental to the team because he literally punched one of his teammates. And because of that, um, they have a shot to to go and, and get back some of that money uh, due to these circumstances, but it probably won't happen until next offseason. But anyway, Earl Thomas kind of became a locker room cancer. It seemed like overnight, um, I always was... I, I never pictured Earl Thomas to be that kind of guy. I always I felt like every team he was on, he was a uh, well, not every team. I think he's only this is only his second team, but his, all his years with the Seahawks, you know, he never really caused problems. He was a locker room guy, a veteran, one of the leaders on and off the field for the Seattle Seahawks, of course. And they kind of you know they fucked him over with his contract and everything like that. Um, but with Baltimore, I kind of felt like it was going the same way, but. I don't know what Chuck Clark did to get under Earl Thomas's skin, but clearly they had some type of ongoing beef. I, I can't see this being a, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just don't think this is, this was a, uh, like a spur of the moment lost his cool kind of reaction. Seems, I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like typical Earl Thomas because he's never known to be that kind of like troublemaker or anything like that. Um, but they released him, so now he's a free agent, and I'm sure some team's gonna make a run at him, because, uh, again, there's no way that this is a depiction of who Earl Thomas is, because it's, it's a one-time thing he did here, there haven't been, for what I know, any other accounts of him having beef with guys in the locker room to the point where it escalates into, uh, physical violence, so we're going to see who scoops up Earl Thomas. They'll probably get him on the cheap. Um, most likely a one-year deal. Just like a prove-it kind of thing. Uh, and we'll we'll see what happens with him. But he is... I feel like he should... The market should be there for him. Um, guys have done a lot worse than punch a teammate in the face and have gotten contracts uh, elsewhere. And I said we'd mention it briefly. Um, again, this is... In today's age, old news because it happened sometime late last week, the Thursday, Friday area. Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman, uh, he's the Reds broadcaster and he's also uh, a Fox broadcaster 
in general. So he he calls a lot of football games on Fox. If you uh, if you don't know who he is or you don't even recognize his picture, just look up uh, calls that he has on YouTube and you'll recognize his voice instantly. He was caught on a hot mic saying the F word. And not the F word that I say sometimes on this podcast, the homophobic F word. And and I don't, I don't really know how it happened. I guess... I So with my job, I do a lot of streaming and stuff. And typically when you're uh, streaming those games on my end, you go live at like a certain time. So generally you have a feed on one side of the of the broadcast and then right next to it you have what people are seeing. So you have what you're seeing in the background and then what people are actually seeing and usually it's a slate saying game starting soon. Generally what would happen would be like okay, go live at this time. And then you would go live at that time. What I think happened here is is similar. It's with TV. It's not. It wasn't with streaming. It was on TV. But with this, is that they came back five seconds, ten seconds earlier than what he had expected them to, and he was just letting it rip. And he was caught calling Kansas City. I think it was Kansas City because the Reds were playing the the Royals. Um, one of the F capitals of the world and he he put some mustard on this word I mean he 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 kind of he let it rip like it was not just like a casual use of the word it really had some oomph behind it which is I mean listen it doesn't matter how you emphasize the word you, sh- you shouldn't really be saying it um especially when you're a, a, a professional broadcaster and Mics can be hot at all times. That's one of the things that we're taught um, in school, if you go for broadcasting or journalism, is that even if you know you're not on air or the or uh, you're like in a break or something, you're in the studio, you have mics in front of you, like do not say anything that could get you in trouble. Because the mics can always accidentally pick something up. Someone can hit one wrong button and then you're you're exposed for being, you know, a, a piece of shit. <laughs> and this is one of those instances where he was just, he was being, I guess, who he is. And mics went on a little too early and they caught him saying the F word. So... This guy, and what makes it so much worse is that this dude in, he didn't even address it. I I guess, I don't know if he was looking at social media, if anyone even told him, like in between breaks and stuff. Uh, Maybe someone told him at some point. I I mean, I guess someone told him at some point, but he didn't address it at all until I think it was like the middle of the game, five, six, the fifth, sixth, seventh inning. And he was addressing addressing it and he's like I pride myself on being a man of faith and then Nick Castellanos hits a home run so in the middle of this dude's apology trying to salvage his career he's like I pride myself on being a man of faith as Castellanos hits that one to deep 
left field, and that will be a home run. Four nothing Reds. Um, he's like, I don't know if I'll ever hop back on the mic, and then he just continues like nothing happened. It was one of the most bizarre things I've ever heard, but yet hilarious, right? Like it, you, you just gotta. Sometimes you just gotta laugh at these things because the guy just probably handled it the worst you pros- you possibly could. I mean, it it was it was bad. It was really bad. And that was probably his last game as a Reds broadcaster. Um, in this day and age, it's hard. It, it's damn near impossible to come back from anything like that. Um, any type of racial, homophobic, any slur like that, uh, you're not going to be employable after that um, because... You, you kind of, at that point, you kind of showed your true colors, whether he meant it or not, whether he really is homophobic or it was, it was just a word that he said, but it, it doesn't matter. There's no excuses. You know, you're a, a, a grown man who's been in this industry for how long and, you know, it, it just, it happens. And this guy is probably done. So adios, Tom Brenneman. We hardly knew ye. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, uh, nothing new here as the Knicks get cucked once again of the top pick in the NBA draft. They have had 11 total lottery picks since they acquired Patrick Ewing with the number one overall pick back in like 1984 or whatever it was. And uh, they haven't moved up once. A lot of seven to nine pick range they landed in. Last year, they got the three pick. Uh, and this year, again, they got the eighth pick. So, just to round out the lottery, the 14th overall pick went to the Boston Celtics. They acquired it from Memphis. So, in the trade, this the stipulations were if Memphis got the 14th pick, it would go to Boston, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, 13th, New Orleans. 12th, Sacramento. 11th, San, San Antonio. 10th, uh, Phoenix, 9th, Washington, 8th, the Knicks, 7th, Detroit, 6th, Atlanta, 5th, Cleveland, 4th, Chicago, 3rd, Charlotte, 2nd, Golden State, and 1st, Minnesota. So Minnesota, who drafted Jarrett Culver last year, they have Culver, they have uh, Russell, D'Lo that they traded for, they have Carl Anthony Towns. And now they have the number one overall pick, a chance to pair a young, uh, a young prospect with D'Lo and Cat. Very promising. I think they should go with Anthony Edwards. And the immediate reactions from some of the analysts that came after the draft were also Anthony Edwards. Uh, they don't need obviously Lamelo Ball. They don't need a big man with James Wiseman. So. Anthony Edwards is a guard. He's a scorer. He's a big dude. He's like 6'5", 6'6", 220. He's, he's built. He's a built young man. He's not one of those young guys who is, you know, underweight, skinny, and has to and has to put on muscle. He is a built dude already. So put him a nice scoring guard next to D'Lo and Cat. We'll see how the defense plays out, but offensively speaking, they should be just fine. And as we get closer to the draft, we can we can start looking at mocks and uh, stuff like that. But right now, 
There's the draft order, the draft lottery. Very unfortunate for the Knicks. Of course, I have no idea who they're going to take at eight. Uh, but again, as the draft date draws near, I think it's sometime in October uh, this year, which is so bizarre. Um, but sometime in October or uh, late September, we can have an episode where we go through a mock draft. A couple of firings in the NBA, again, um, as teams get eliminated from the playoffs or playoffs contention, I'm sure we'll see more of this. But the two teams that fired their coaches, kind of hard to say otherwise. Um, The Sixers fired Brett Brown, and the Pacers fired Nate McMillan. Both the Pacers and the Sixers got swept in the first round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Sixers got swept by the Celtics, and the Pacers got swept by the Heat. I mean, it's the Pacers are a tough scenario. Nate McMillan, um, he was three and sixteen in the playoffs with the Pacers. He got some tough breaks. He wasn't ever really able to play with his full team. Um, in the playoffs for like the past two years, Oladipo had injuries. Um, Malcolm Brogdon had some injuries. Uh, Demontis Sabonis, who was their all one of their all stars or their only all star, I think this year, he wasn't even in the bubble. Uh, so they were out. They were without him, and it, it, it's just tough breaks. You got to make do. Oladipo, I feel bad because he was. it seemed like he was starting to get his legs under him. But this guy a couple years ago was, you know, a rising superstar. Like he was the guy for the Pacers. Um, and he was he was elite. He was going uh, blow for blow with LeBron and the Cavs in the playoffs a couple years ago. And now he's, I don't know, uh, He's he looks like he's, he's scared to play. He... He's getting better, which is good. He had these bubble games. He was originally not even going to come and play, but he ended up playing. I think that was for his best because uh, he had the eight games, and then it turned out only being four in the playoffs. But get his get some games under him and, and get his legs back under him a little bit. Now he has a whole offseason. Um, well, not even a whole offseason. I, I don't know when the NBA – they said December they'll start up again, but – it remains to be seen. I'm not. I'm not sure what's going to happen. They'll probably push it back more until you know maybe January they start up again. Um, but he'll have uh, an off season, a couple months, three four months to recover, and uh, recover fully, and hopefully he gets back to himself. But tough break for Nate McMillan, and for the Sixers, Brett Bar- Brett Brown. Um, you got to tip your cat to Brett Brown a little bit. Okay, he was the guy that they had all throughout the process, right? The Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Embiid missing two years pretty much by design, Simmons missing his rookie year, um, and and then everything kind of coming together. He endured a lot of losing, but he always, he never tanked, right? He always tried to make the team better, and he endured a lot. He endured a lot of losing. He endured a lot of uh, trades and and just frustration with the organization. Um, but now his time is over. Um, 
you know, you can you can parallel it to the Nets situation um, with Kenny Atkinson. I, I think Kenny Atkinson kind of got the short end of the deal there. But um, in the same regard, Kenny Atkinson was brought in during a time where the Nets had no draft picks because of that trade they had with the Celtics for Pierce and Garnett. They had no draft picks. They bring in Kenny Atkinson. He's a guy who endured a lot of mediocrity. Um, You know, they make that trade for D'Angelo Russell, and he's able to build D'Lo up into an all-star and someone who is uh, a very good point guard in this league. And he's able to take the Nets to the playoffs and do battle with the Sixers. You know, they, they were grinding it out. Um... They came in and lost, but now the Nets have a team where uh, they lose D'Angelo Russell, the guy who Kenny Atkinson kind of honed and groomed into the player he is, and they sign Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, two bona fide superstars. Kenny Atkinson, simply put, was just, in terms of the organization, just that he wasn't the right fit anymore, and they decided to move on. Kind of the same situation with Brett Brown. Endured a lot of losing, uh, kind of built this team into what it is, but now he is not the right guy anymore. And it happens, you know, you outgrow uh, some of these these guys, and it, it is what it is. Now you need a coach who can implement the correct schemes to fit this team, because now Brett Brown, yes, he had a positive, ad- there's all the credit in the world, there's no reason why... Sixers fans should be mad at Brett Brown. He endured a lot for that organization and got you to where you are. But now you need a better coach to take them to that next step. Do I think the Sixers can do it? I have no idea. It depends what who their next coach is. Honestly, it, it really sometimes it really does de- depend a lot on the coach and it does really come down to coaching to make that difference no matter how good of players you have. Um, and of course, the Knicks jumped on Tom Thibodeau before all these coaches started getting fired. So now you got like four coaches on the market that, uh, I mean, I would probably rather have uh, Nate McMillan as the Knicks coach than Tom Thibodeau. But I gotta stop. Knack- I gotta stop knocking Tibbs. Uh, he's Whatever. I'm not getting into this. I'm not. I'm not getting into the next situation now. Uh, but those two guys got fired, so they are the newest uh, available coaches on the market. NBA awards. Nick Nurse. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last week or if I just missed it. If the episode was out before it got announced, but Nick Nurse was my pick for coach of the year. Him or Eric Spolstra, but Nick Nurse gets coach of the year, uh, rightfully so. Again. You have a team, a lot of people counted them out. Uh, They weren't going to compete as well as they did because they lost Kawhi, blah, blah, blah. And here they are, swept the Nets in the first round, uh, second seed in the East, and a true title contender. And in an award where I didn't really know who was going to, um, Defensive Player of the Year goes to Giannis Antetokounmpo. He beat out Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert. Uh, Gobert has won it the past two years. Anthony Davis comes in second. 
and Giannis wins in what will probably be uh, also an MVP year. So, so Giannis will have joined uh, Hakeem and Jordan, assuming he wins MVP, as the only two players to win Defensive Player of the Year and MVP in the same year. Elijah Wan did it in 94, and Jordan did it in 88. And only four players in their entire careers have won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, not necessarily in the same year. Elijah Wan, Jordan, Kevin Garnett, and David Robinson all have an MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in their names. Giannis will most likely join that list. So congrats to Giannis, Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I know there was some outrage on Lakers Twitter that it should have been Anthony Davis, but is what it is. At this point, it kind of seems it kind of seemed inevitable that Giannis was going to win at least one Defensive Player of the Year, just because uh, he is a great defender. You know, he's he's a he's a beast. He can do everything pretty much. So with the playoffs uh, last night, there were uh, two series that ha- have been very close. There were Game Fives: Nuggets and Jazz, Clippers and Mavericks. Nuggets pulled out the win over the Jazz and to avoid elimination, so now they are still trailing 3-2 to to Utah, and the Clippers beat the Mavericks, the Porzingis-less Mavericks. Jesus, try saying that five times fast. Um, And they pull ahead 3-2 to as well. Luka Doncic injured his ankle. There was some controversy that uh, I always forget which one's on the Clippers. I think it's Markeith or Marcus. I don't remember. I think it's Markeith, whatever. The Morris, one of the Morris brothers, went and intentionally stepped on Luca's ankle, and there is video of it, and it seems kind of sketchy. I mean, Morris is a good defender, and he's a pretty smart basketball player. So, like the way he does it, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem natural, like a natural course of of action. Uh, so it was it was very odd. Luca was frustrated. He was in obvious discomfort for like the entire game. He was wincing around on that ankle. So I don't know what's up with him. Uh, hopefully he's okay for game six. Um, Damian Lillard is not okay. He has been ruled out for game five, right knee sprain, and has been listed out for game five versus the Lakers. So that game's tonight. Unfortunately for Lillard, it is probably a wrap for him in Portland this year. Um, they got absolutely smoked a couple nights ago in uh, Game 5 of that series or Game 4 of that series. That's it. They, they put up a fight. He had a hell of a run uh, to even get them in the playoffs, and it is something I don't think people will soon forget. And tip of, tip of the cap to Lillard and to everyone. CJ McCollum played through some injuries Everyone on that Portland team, but the Lakers, they listen, you snuck out game one against the Lakers, but since then it's uh, kind of blowout after blowout at that point. We'll see how they come out tonight without Lillard. Uh, hopefully they come out with a little bit of fire in them and, and try and make it as close as possible. I, I would hate to see them come out like dead fish and just roll over and, and die, you know? As for the other games tonight... Magic Bucks, the Bucks look to eliminate Orlando after dropping game one in the series. They're now up 3-1. I hate that these games are on NBA TV because I don't have NBA TV. And I know it's like, just get NBA TV. It's not my fault, all right? That's on at 4. Thunder Rockets on at 6.30. Trailblazers Lakers are on at 
nine. Um, Thunder Rockets series tie two two. That series is highly entertaining. I that that is an incredible series going on right now. Uh, Chris Paul is he's itching. He he wants he wants to beat the Rockets so bad. You can see it in his play. Um, speaking of next round matchups, though, on Thursday we have some next round matchups. You'll have Game Six of the Nuggets and Jazz. First game of the semis between the Celtics and Raptors, and then the Clippers and Mavericks game six tomorrow. So Celtics Raptors matching up in the in the second round of the playoffs. The Heat, if the Bucks win. Today, they'll go on to play the Heat in the second round. And as for the rest of them, we'll see who the Lakers will end up playing. Um, I think it'll... The Lakers will either end up playing the Jazz... It's the Rockets, Thunders, Jazz, Nuggets. Who's the lowest of those seeds? I think it's the the Rockets, actually. Could make for some interesting second round matchups in... In both leagues. For the East, certainly those two rounds, the Celtics and Raptors and the Heat and Bucks, I think both of them are going to be phenomenal series and very tight, tightly contested games overall. I don't think they all play very, all teams play very good defense. Um, So, you know, you might not be seeing um, blowout, you know, 120 to 120 something games in those series as you normally would in some other ones. Okay, let's get into DC fandom. So for those of you who don't know what it is, it was like a 24-hour online event because Comic-Cons were canceled um, due to COVID. So San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, I think is usually in October. San Diego Comic-Con is, uh, I think it was around, I think it's in August usually. Um, but those were canceled. It's in the summer. Anyway, those were canceled because of COVID, of course. Um, but DC still wanted to showcase a lot of upcoming things that they have movie-wise, TV-wise, et cetera, et cetera. Just a bunch of stuff to look forward to. And a lot of it, a majority of these things actually, are all coming out in 2021. So that's incredible you know that they have a lineup that could if they hit on most of these I have a feeling they're they're not gonna hit on all of them but a lot of them have potential to hit and if they if they do and if people really enjoy them DC can can kind of revive themselves in the in the movie industry right now as far as their whole like universe of things go so Starting off, there was a, another Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. I think that movie, that's going to be a success. The first one was a huge hit. People loved it. Gal Gadot was great. Uh, Patty Jenkins, excellent director. Um, she knew exactly how to fit the tone of Wonder Woman and, and everything about it was just, it was a great movie. It was DC's first hit and honestly, it kind of saved them because previously they had uh, Batman vs Superman, which was, yeah, and then Suicide Squad, which was just a complete fucking disaster. So Wonder Woman was something that that saved DC and gave them some breathing room. And then of course they had Aquaman and Shazam after that. 
Uh, but the sequel, it was supposed to come out in May. Of course, again, COVID messed everything up. It is coming out now, I think, the first week of October. Maybe October 2nd, I want to say. Um, trailer looks great. We got the first look at Cheetah. Uh, Kristen Wiig, who is playing Cheetah. Um, looks odd, you know, when they do the full... They did it with cats, the same thing, but... They give the full fur, CGI fur thing, and like the face also, they gotta make like cat-like, and looks very weird, but uh, who knows? Uh, it might look better in, in theaters, I, I don't know how it's, uh, but in the trailer, it just, it was a little, it was a little strange, but there's nothing you can really do about that, I guess, but, uh, but it, it looks good, the movie, it looks good. I think it's going to be a good start to DC's uh, release of movies to start with Wonder Woman. I think a lot of people are going to be excited for that one. Um, they have the new Suicide Squad movie. Uh, I, I kind of wish they didn't make this movie just because the last one was so bad. Like, at least wait a little bit. It's only been, like, two, three years since that movie came out. Actually, no, it came out in 2016, so it might have been, like, four years. Um, but... It's coming in 2021. James Gunn's directing it, and he does the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And uh, the only reason why he did this movie is because he got fired from Guardians of the Galaxy. And then they rehired him, but he's not going to start the Guardians of the Galaxy movie because he's been working on Suicide Squad. So once this is done, he'll come back to Guardians. Whole big mess. Um, but I have confidence in this movie if and only because of James Gunn. So you only have three people from the original Suicide Squad movie to come back and reprise their roles in um, this new James Gunn-led Suicide Squad movie. Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, of course. Everyone loved her. She was one of the only good parts of Suicide Squad. And uh, she had, a, of course, her own movie, Birds of Prey. That was, it didn't do great in the box office, but it actually was a pretty good movie. Um, I forgot to mention that when I was naming successes. Uh, that came out this year, back in February, actually, which is sounds bizarre, sounds like forever ago, but um, came out in February. Pretty decent movie. Um, I'm pretty sure I did a review on that. You can go back and listen. Uh, Viola Davis coming back as Amanda Waller. I like that. I think she was pretty good in Suicide Squad also. Um, and again, a lot of the things wrong with Suicide Squad, a lot, the people who wrote it were just, it wasn't, a lot, of, a lot of it wasn't the actor's fault. There was some very cheesy dialogue. And the third one returning, repri reprising their role is Jai Courtney coming back as Captain Boomerang, which he was pretty funny. I, I like Captain Boomerang too. Um, as far as, so as far as everyone who's coming back from the original movie, uh, very limited, but uh, good roles. You know, got people who played their roles pretty well in the first movie. Um, as as far as other characters who are going to be... Oh, I think Joe Kinnaman is also coming back as Rick Flagg. So, four people. Um, other people are going to be in the movie. Pete Davidson is going to be in the movie. John Cena is going to be in the movie. Idris Elba is going to be in the movie. Nathan Fillion... Um, Long-time DC animated universe movie uh, voice. He does Green Lantern a lot in those movies. Nathan Fillion's going to be in it. 
Um, Taika Watiti is going to be in it. I think he's probably playing an animated guy. Um, but yeah, there, there's some optimism there for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt, you know, even though I hated the first one. Um, this one I feel like is going to be a much different vibe. Uh, the Joker's not going to be involved at all. Thank God. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm sick of the Joker now. It's just been, you, now we need like a, we had 2008 was Heath Ledger's Joker. The one before that, he, they didn't show the Joker in any Batman movie before since uh, Jack Nicholson. So that was in the 80s. So, uh, or 1989, I think I should say. Um, so it, it was almost 20 years without a movie involving the Joker. And now within, so you had 89, 2008, and then now in the in less than eight years after that, you have two more movies involving the Joker. You get um, Jared Leto's portrayal of the Joker in Suicide Squad, which was an absolute abomination, and I want to forget it even happened. And I think when you look, go back and look throughout history, that will be forgotten as a movie entirely and as a role that isn't like real. You know, it's just one of those things that you just can completely forget about. And then, of course, Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of the Joker in that solo movie, which was, that was fantastic. Like, had Jared Leto's Joker not existed, the Joker mantle would be untouched and perfect. Batting a thousand, three out of three, right? You're not missing a beat. They're all different, even if you're including, so if you're including Jared Leto's Joker, it sucks, Right? You're batting three for four. Um, but they're all different. I don't even want to talk about Jared Lotus Joker anymore. I'm sorry. But all three of them, um, Nicholson, Ledger, and Phoenix, they all have different interpretations of the Joker. And I think all of them are incredible. So if you only had those three spanned out over 30 years... Uh, close to it, then you wouldn't really have a problem. You know, it would be it would be totally fine, and it wouldn't feel like the Joker was like an oversaturated market. Now it does, because there's been two Jokers in the past four years, which is just too much. And I'm going to get to the Batman also. Batman is going to, is another one of those characters where you have to be a little cautious. First, we had a little reveal, uh, a lot of fan art, but it's The Rock as Black Adam. Finally, this movie has been confirmed for like five years and it is finally getting um, some hype around it. And they had like, fi they finally had a reveal it's going to be amazing. I, I think The Rock as Black Adam is going to be sick. Um, and then there's not much to that. They showed a little bit of it. It was like a one and a half minute teaser thing. It wasn't even really considered a trailer. Most of it, like I said, was fan art. Um, 
but it it's going to I think it's going to be amazing. I think that's going to be a really cool movie. Um there's rumors that according to Variety that a Static Shock movie is in development. And if you grew up around the same time as me on WB, Static Shock was an incredible show. I mean, I like probably top Five animated superhero theme songs of all time. The animated Spider-Man uh, theme, the animated Batman theme, the animated uh, X-Men theme song is probably first, actually. X-Men, Batman, Spider-Man. Um, the Justice League one is great. And then I think Static Shock is up there, too. Like He has two or three... I think he has two or three theme songs... That they switch every once in a while. Whenever he switches, they redesign him and stuff. They give him a new theme song. And they're all just fire. I I love them. And I love Static Shock. That would be a dope movie. I I really hope they pull the trigger on that. It it says it's in development, but I hope it gets pushed all the way through. And they actually, they cast and they start production. Because that movie would be elite. The Flash movie. Um, a little bit more news on the Flash movie that they uh, confirmed Ben Affleck will be reprising his role as Batman in the Flash movie. So, this causes a little bit of confusion with people. I'll try and clear it up. In the Flash movie, they are traversing alternate timelines. The Flash. I don't know if it's exactly going to be like the Flashpoint Paradox uh, animated movie they have. But it'll be something that explores different realities. And with that, you get different Batmans. So Michael Keaton is confirmed to be coming back as a Batman. Whether it's his Batman from 1989 or an older uh, Batman like in the Flashpoint movie when Flash goes, creates the Flashpoint paradox and creates that different timeline... Thomas Wayne is Batman, and he's an old, very old, grizzled, mean guy. He uses guns. Uh, so that's Thomas Wayne. Michael Keaton might come back and be playing a Thomas Wayne character. We don't know if it's going to be that or uh, an older version of his Batman, which could set up uh, an entirely new Batman Beyond thing, which people are cl- people like me are clamoring for. If Michael Keaton comes back as his original Batman, but just an older Bruce Wayne, they that could set up a completely different timeline, where it has nothing to do with what's going on originally, just its own separate thing in the future, and he could be like a Batman Beyond kind of Bruce Wayne, which would be incredible. Like, please cast me as as Terry McGinnis, please. I can do it, I swear. But you have so you have Michael Keaton confirmed to be playing a Batman character. And now Bruce Wayne confirmed, or Bruce Wayne, Ben Affleck confirmed to be um, coming back as his Batman. So the Batman you saw in Batman vs. Superman, that's his Batman. He's coming back to play that role. Um, Probably to keep continuity with Batman v Superman and uh, Justice League as the main timeline that Flash operates in. With all that happening in the Flash movie, outside of that, now you also have Robert Pattinson's Batman. And this is already confirmed for a while now that this is its own separate thing. Think Joker, 
but with a Batman movie, it is it has you know properties and villains of a traditional superhero movie, but it has nothing to do with the the DC extended universe that is already pre existing with Batman vs Superman, Man of Steel, Justice League, and Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Shazam. Those movies, it has nothing to do with them. Completely different. Uh, lining up already this Batman movie to be super dark as per the trailer. This trailer was, by all accounts that I've seen on YouTube, Twitter, like any kind of news outlet, articles, has blown everyone away. It was, I mean, I got literal goosebumps. Uh, The first time I watched it, I was out and I had to uh, put it on, I was, I had to put it on mute, I watched it on, with subtitles, and even just watching it without sound and reading subtitles, um, I got goosebumps. Then you put the sound on, and there's like a Nirvana song playing in the back. It was, I mean, it was incredible. It it really was incredible. And they've only shot like 25-30% of the movie, and they somehow put together this incredible teaser trailer that nails all the the like the themes and the tone that they're trying to convey in this movie and what this movie is going to be about with having shot pretty much none of the movie I, I don't know how Matt Reeves did it but salute to you sir because I, I think you just got a lot of people in your corner anyone who was doubting what was happening with Robert Pattinson and the casting and how the movie is going to be and what it's going to be about and the tones and stuff. I think they, if you're a Batman fan, you have to be on board with the direction they're going in. Um, So you have, basically in the trailer, you have the Riddler and he's the main villain and he's not even, there's some riddles, but he seems to be very uh, serial killer-ish and leaving riddles for Batman to follow his grisly murders um and that is around throughout the trailer Robert Pattinson looks he's he's very dark this is confirmed to be a year two Batman so the opening shot is him walking in on the crime scene with Commissioner Gordon so they have they have that established relationship however people in the GCPD clearly do not trust him you see a lot of people giving him glances there's even a quick shot of him getting into a little altercation with other GCPD officers in which uh, Gordon has to restrain Batman and tell him and and push everyone back to break it up so clearly there are still some mistrusts within the GCPD towards Batman and I'm sure there are a bunch of corrupt police officers who for that reason don't like Batman. So you have those tones set in, those uh, those violent, dark, mistrust tones. Matt Reeves has said before they even started shooting, and he continues to say this is a no- noir-driven film. It's going to focus a lot on Batman's detective skills, and it it's going to take... How I envision it is that Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight films are very much grounded in reality. There are things that he tries to portray in that movie to make it as realistic as possible. And 
they succeed in that. You know, there there aren't Bane isn't this guy like in the Dark Knight Rises. Bane isn't this guy who is juiced up on venom serum that makes him like this enormously strong person. He's pretty much just a a jacked um assassin terrorist. And a lot of those villains are grounded in reality. There's no quote unquote super villains, right? With superpowers and stuff like that. Um, and that's how this kind of feels. This kind of feels like Batman is a detective. He just happens to wear a bat suit and, um, he's going to be doing a lot of investigating, connecting the dots. The Riddler is not, I mean, we've had one iteration of the Riddler and that was in Batman forever with, Jim Carrey being this green spa, sparse, uh, green bedazzled spandex suit with like bright flaming red hair and having puns literally every single every, dripping out of his mouth like every time he says a line it's a pun and you couldn't take him seriously at all you can you can't take that movie seriously at all honestly but that's besides the point um, and I don't even was that Batman Forever or Batman and Robin I don't remember which one it was, it was one of those two. It was a George Clooney movie. Um, sorry, George. I, I love you, but those movies were terrible. So that that was the only iteration, movie iteration of the Riddler we got. Now this one is, the Riddler is, for all intents and purposes, you can uh, see by this trailer is that he's dark, right? He is like a serial killer, like David Fincher kind of um, seven with Kevin Spacey, that kind of, uh, that kind of, literally, exactly like that, uh, John Doe in Seven, where he leaves clues and riddles at crime scenes because he's playing a game with the detectives, and he wants to be caught, but he's murdering these people, these grisly, grisly murders, and leaving a trail of bodies in his wake while trying to, um, entice these detectives, and, uh, lead them on his little breadcrumb trail. That is exactly what the Riddler is doing with Batman. As as you can see in this in the trailer, if you go watch it, it's that same kind of tone. And Robert Pattinson, if you haven't seen a lot of his movies, because he has kind of he dipped out of the limelight a while ago after the Twilight movies. Watch you can watch the Lighthouse. You can watch. I don't know if the Lighthouse is on any streaming service. Um, it might be, you can go check, but if not, you can rent it. Um, the Lighthouse, Good Time is on Netflix, and and uh, Tenant is coming out in a couple weeks, in the first week of September, and that is Christopher Nolan's new movie, and Robert Pattinson will be in that also, one of his first major big budget uh, movies that he's going to be in. Uh, so he's kind of making his return now, but he is he's a good actor, man. He is a good actor, and I have a lot of faith in him. And I think that it's I, I think this is gonna be a Batman that we haven't seen. We've seen um origin story Batman's Batman begins is an origin story. Um we've seen Batman in like the prime of his uh, career with the Dark Knight. And then we've seen old grizzled Batman, Dark Knight Rises, where he's he's kind of beat down and broken and has to rise back up. Um, ben Affleck's Batman is an old grizzled 
Batman, who is much more violent. Um, so this is a Batman that's kind of right in between. You get a year two Batman. So he's not brand, it's not an origin story. He's not brand new. Um, but he still hasn't seen it all. So he's still figuring it out. He has he's he has the trust of Gordon, so the police aren't trying to arrest him even when he's stopping crime. Um, even though it's still like a strained relationship. And he still has and he has a rogues gallery, or at least starting to build it. Because we also get a glimpse of Selena Kyle, Catwoman, in this, Zoe Kravitz in this trailer. Um, very briefly, but she's there. And we also get to see Colin Farrell as the Penguin. And he's got he's got some prosthetics, prosthetics on because you can barely... T- like they, they hooked out his nose a little bit and gave him a scar. He looks amazing, but you cannot tell it's Colin Farrell. It is absolutely mind-blowing honestly like I can't believe what they what they did he looks incredible but it looks nothing like Colin Farrell so everyone so far um you we didn't really get a glimpse a glimpse of the Riddler yet but Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman and she's not dubbed Catwoman she's just a uh a, a really good cat burglar right now and uh the Penguin also isn't the Penguin Yet he's like an up and coming crime boss, so he hasn't he isn't that bona fide crime lord yet, um, but he's getting there. He's almost there. They're both, all three of them. I guess you can include the Riddler too. All four of them are like at the cusp of getting there. Like the Batman is still, he's he's the Batman, but he's like brand new. He's year two Batman. Catwoman is not known as like Catwoman yet she's just a regular cat burglar who steals things and the penguin isn't the penguin yet he's just a crime boss but he's going to I assume in this movie he ascends to that mantle of the penguin so there's just a lot going on and a lot to explore in this movie this movie could be four hours long and I think it would be like incredible um I'm very 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 excited for this movie if you obviously can't tell and I don't know if they stamped an official release date on, on it yet, but it is coming out in 2021. Um, and what else is else? And what else is coming out in 2021? All of these things. Um, Wonder Woman is coming out in October. Suicide Squad, The Batman, and of course, um, the Snyder Cut of Justice League. So I'm going to talk about this, and then I want to talk about the oversaturation of Batman, and then we can wrap it up. But with the the Snyder Cut Justice League, it is now officially confirmed. It's been rumored, but now it's officially confirmed. It's going to be a four-part, one-hour-long miniseries on HBO Max coming out in 2021. Um, so I, four hours is is it's double the length of what the original movie was, and Zack Snyder, I guess he shot a lot of the movie, and I know he had to leave because of a family tragedy, which is. It was, it was terrible, but I guess Joss Whedon, with all the reshoots, he pretty much made, it seems like, an entirely different movie, because there seems like there's like all this footage left over that uh, Zack Snyder has to work with, where he can pretty much create an entirely new movie, so it's, it's four hours long, one hour episodes each, and 
I, I'm excited. I, I, I can't imagine how different it's going to be, but it, it seems like there's a bunch of shit that we didn't get to see in the original Justice League. So, honestly, any no offense to Joss Whedon, like, he had his successes with Marvel, but that Justice League movie was an absolute dumpster fire. It, it was really, really bad. Um, I'm excited just because I think Zack Snyder... It's gonna this this four hour this four episode miniseries is gonna fit the tone that Snyder laid down in Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, and whether that's for better or for worse, it might actually feel like it's a part of what has already been released. Justice League did not feel like it was a part of anything that was released, so. I mean, it's something to be excited for, to look forward for, because in my mind, anything, they can put out anything right now, and I think it'll be better than Justice League that that actually put out, because it, it sucked that much. I was really disappointed, because I'm, I'm just, I'm a DC fanboy by trade. Um, I love Marvel, but like, Batman and the Justice League, I liked way before Spider-Man was the the one Marvel guy that I really loved growing up. It was him and Batman. Ba- Batman and Spider-Man were my top 2 in that order. Those are my favorite superheroes of all time. And I always loved Spider-Man. I watched the animated show, but growing up, it was just a lot of DC. Marvel wasn't that big when I was growing up as far as where the, like the mediums are concerned. Um I watched Batman the Animated Series. I watched Superman the Animated Series. Spider-Man the Animated Series. Static Shock. Justice League. Justice League Unlimited. Like, these, those are the shows that I watched superhero-wise growing up. And all of them except Spider-Man are DC. So I didn't really start fanboying over Marvel. You know, I, I always loved them. And I loved their characters. And I watched a lot of other uh, shows and stuff. And... But they didn't really pop on my on my radar until, um, like, I knew about them and all the characters and their backstories and all that. But they didn't really pop off until the MCU, which is fine. But growing up, I didn't. There weren't really any animated shows about Marvel characters except for Spider Man. There wasn't like an Iron Man show or an Incredible Hulk show or a Thor show like these Avengers characters that they have. We I had Spider-Man and the X-Men. And the X-Men movies were pretty good growing up. Like the original the first two X-Men movies were good. The third one sucked and then Days of Future Past, no no, first first class was good. Days of Future Past was pretty good and Apocalypse sucked. So and I didn't even see Dark Phoenix. So you have hit and misses on those, and then, so the animated X-Men show, which I almost forgot about, and uh, the Spider-Man show, you had those two, but they weren't a part of this huge conglomerate that the MCU built until later on. So by trade, growing up, I was a DC guy, and I was so excited for these movies, and they've just let me down continuously, and now... We finally they got we got some traction now, right? They've released like three good movies in a row. Wonder Woman can make it a fourth. Um, so just you just got to keep it rolling. 
You got to keep it rolling. And of course, um, the, the Dark Knight trilogy, I don't even consider that. That's like its own standalone thing, which is on purpose. But I'm so excited for all these things to come out. And I really hope that it doesn't oversaturate the market. So I was talking about that with Batman. So Batman, he is a a character where he's had many iterations, right? Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, um, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck, and now Robert Pattinson. So Ben Affleck left the project. And then you had Robert Pattinson come in and said, okay, him and Matt Reeves, they're doing their own standalone Batman movie. Cool. He's the new Batman. And that, that that was it. Now with the Flash movie, you have Michael Keaton coming back to play Batman. And you have Ben Affleck coming back to play Batman. So now, in the year of our Lord, 2021, you're gonna have three Batman. I don't know when the Flash comes out. It's either 2021 or 2022. But in the next year or two, you're gonna have three Batman. And the Flash movie is the, is a Flash movie. It's not a Batman movie. So that could work. That could that could work, and it could be awesome. And uh, I, you know, I'll stop complaining and I'll shut my mouth and and say I was wrong. But I just I don't want DC to oversaturate the market. That's all I'm saying. And I mentioned if they made a Batman Beyond movie, I would be ecstatic. Batman Beyond is not the same as, as, as this Batman, right? This is Bruce Wayne's Batman. Batman Beyond has Bruce Wayne, and if it's Michael Keaton, that's great. But Terry McGinnis is not, I mean, he's a young kid, which is why I said I should play him. Let me play Terry McGinnis. Please, WBDC, if you're listening. You're probably not, but if you're listening. Let me play Terry McGinnis. I can do it. I've seen a lot of Batman Beyond. I've seen all Batman Beyond. I can nail it. I actually just watched Return of the Joker last night. Great movie. Great concept, too. Wild. They took Jason Todd's whole story and kind of like flipped it with the red hood and flipped it on its head a little bit with Tim Drake. Cool movie. Definitely worth the watch. Okay, I've done enough rambling about DC. Um, I hope all of this pans out. A lot of stuff to be excited for coming out of DC fandom. Um, and I just realized that I never went over my fantasy team. I'll do it next week. So, sorry. Sorry for that. But this is uh, this episode's running pretty long. So, uh, I'll save the fantasy football lineup for next week's episode. Hey, guys. Um, so, I just finished editing... The, uh, the podcast, it's like 5.45, I was just about to post it, but um, in the midst of editing, the entire NBA has postponed their uh, playoff games until further notice, game fives uh, tonight. Uh, it started with the Bucks and Magic, and the Bucks refused to take the court on strike for the shooting of Jacob Blake. And uh, the Rockets and Thunder and then Lakers and Portland soon followed suit. So it's unclear uh, how long the NBA will be, uh, the NBA players will be on strike for. Um, But for now, it's safe to assume indefinitely, considering they are uh, protesting against another 
uh, police shooting against a black man. And this is something that Kyrie was protest. Kyrie was was protesting the exact thing. These are the words that he was saying before the bubble started, and he was criticized for it. But now I think he's owed an apology because turns out this is exactly what he was trying to do. So again, unsure what's going to happen with the NBA. I think they said that um, according to Woj, they're going to have a meeting tonight about how they will proceed going forward. Um, owners were unaware of what of, of if this was going to happen. They didn't know this was going to happen, and the players kind of just took that initiative themselves, which is, honestly, it's great to see them uh, being united the way they are. Um, so that that is obviously a huge development in not only basketball, but uh, for sports right now in general. Um, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. It's just, it's a very difficult time, uh, in America and we're kind of at like, we're at another crossroads. So, uh, I just thought I had to hop on and, and discuss that just a little bit, um, because the news broke while I was editing. So, uh, I felt like if I released this podcast without jumping back on and saying anything about it, it'd be kind of weird. Um, but anyway, yeah, we're going to have to see. What happens with the uh, with the NBA? I wouldn't be surprised if they just if they call the whole thing off. Um, if eventually they come back and finish playing, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But best of luck to to all those players protesting. Clearly, it's not about the money. They could care less about the money. It's about sending a message. It's about being united. And hopefully, everyone you know sees that and. Uh, we can everyone can rally around what they're protesting for. And I don't see why they wouldn't. Okay. Um, thank you all for listening, of course. Be safe. Have a great weekend. And I will talk to you guys all next Wednesday.